We're Anthem Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. For all the info you need, visit anthemforall.org and follow at Anthem Church Chicago. This morning, I have the privilege of continuing our three-part series entitled Hearing God. Last week, Matt did an incredible job of starting us off by sharing that hearing God stems from a relationship with the Father. He also highlighted three different ways in which we can hear him, namely through his word, through dreams, and through our interaction with the community of believers. It was an outstanding sermon, and I'm very competitive. I was not really excited about preaching today. So, just so you know, full disclosure. This week, we are going to focus on hearing God's unique plan for our lives and how he really wants us to hear him in the everyday. So the sermon title is Hearing God in the Everyday. I would like you to indulge me for a moment and take a look at your hands. Focus specifically on your fingertips. I'm sure that at some point in your lives you've all been fingerprinted, some perhaps a lot more than others, but we won't go there. (laughs) So this image behind me won't be unfamiliar to you. But have you ever wondered how those fingerprints came to be? good question. I actually have the answer to that today. It's a combination of two factors, genetic and environmental. And from the 10th week of life inside your mother's womb, your genetics determine how rapidly the middle layer of your skin over your finger grows. It grows faster than the top layer, which is the epidermis. And so as it grows, it buckles the layer above it, and that causes ridges. By the time you are 17 weeks old, your fingerprints are permanently set. Now, the environmental factors that influence the way those ridges lie on your finger and that gives you your pattern, those are numerous. They involve your blood pressure. It involves the nutrition that you have in the womb. The way the amniotic fluid swirls around your fingers as a fetus determines where the ridges lie. Incredible, isn't it? Such attention to detail. Knowing that... It's even more amazing that no two people on earth, anyone who is alive, anyone who has been alive, and anyone who will one day be born in this earth, no two people have the same fingerprint. Billions of people, and every single one of us is unique. Doesn't that make Psalm 139 that much richer? It's going to be on the screen behind me. For you created my inmost being, You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast the sum of them. You and I were intentionally crafted with incredible care, incredible attention to detail, and with love by God the Father, our Creator. He knows us more intimately than anyone in the entire world ever will. That means He knows our strengths, He knows our weaknesses, He knows our fears. He knows our desires. He knows our quirks or idiosyncrasies. You name it, he knows it all. 
And knowing all of that, he uses every single one of those things to outwork a unique plan for our lives. A plan which brings us fulfillment and brings him glory. A plan that can only be accomplished by hearing his voice for our lives as individuals. Scripture reminds us of this, and we see in Ephesians 2 verse 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. And Jeremiah 29, 11, which is quite a famous verse kind of in Christian circles, says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. If each one of us has a unique plan laid out for our life, how then can we hear the same thing as everybody else? Last year, it was my daughter's fifth birthday, and we bought a dollhouse. At 9 o'clock on Friday night, her birthday was the next morning, I decided I needed to start assembling this thing. So I opened the instructions, and page one was the standard parts list, which comprised of about 100 different screws. All have looked eerily similar to one another. And the next page was the instructions. And it looks something like this. It's going to come up behind me. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but... I mean, doesn't that look like the schematics for the Death Star? I mean, really. So what scared me most about that instruction booklet was the fact that it said step one of 52. Yes, 52 steps to get this dollhouse functioning. I wanted to cry. Needless to say, four hours later and a lot of frustration, I finally finished the confounded thing. And as frustrating as it was to follow those instructions, I was very thankful for them. Because without them, I would have been totally lost. I needed the creator of the dollhouse to guide me to the end product the way only they could. Because only they knew how to get there. I had all the parts, but I needed to know the order in which to put them. And I needed to know which part fit where. See where I'm going with this? All of us possess unique gifts, talents, personalities, and desires. Our parts list, if you will. But the only way we're going to become what God has called us to become is to follow his unique instructions for our lives. We can't follow the instructions for IKEA furniture when we're building a Target dollhouse. We need to get those unique instructions by hearing his voice for ourselves. Last week, Matt spoke about how we can hear God through Scripture, which is our bedrock. It tells us who God is. It tells us of his character. It tells us who we are in God, and it speaks to our identity. His love for us is demonstrated in the Word of God. But we need the Spirit of God to apply the truth of Scripture to our lives in our specific circumstances. We cannot live on borrowed revelation. We need to be hearing God fresh every day in regular ways. Because when we do, we live out his plan for our lives and not our own. And in the living of his plan, we have the greatest kingdom impact. But just as God has a plan for our lives, so does the devil. And the devil's plan is to ensure that God's plan doesn't happen. So what does he do? He speaks too. 
He tries to distract us in our pursuing of God. He speaks to us through our insecurities. He speaks to us when we compare ourselves to one another. He speaks to us through our circumstances. You know the voice, the one that says, you're not good enough. Who are you to try that? Who are you to do these things for God's kingdom? We all have those in our head. He lies to us, and I think this is the cleverest part of his plan. He lies to us by convincing us that God does not want to speak about the ordinary or the mundane or the decisions in our lives. And if we believe that he doesn't want to speak, then we're not going to try and listen. The only way to ignore that voice is to drown it out with the voice of God. I read once that the voice you believe will determine the future you experience. We need to be hearing and believing God's voice in order to live out His preferred future for us. The Bible is full of examples of people who heard the voice of God and who did radical things as a result of that, how they changed destinies. Esther saved her people from genocide. Paul wrote most of the New Testament. Moses led his people out of slavery. Mary became the mother of Jesus and played a part in transforming history forever. That's pretty intimidating, isn't it? Is that always the outcome of hearing God? Is it always this dramatic? Maybe that's what your impression is of what it looks like to hear God. Maybe you have ascribed hearing God to the chosen few on the Sunday who share a prophetic word. Maybe you've ascribed hearing God to the people on the ministry team who have a word of knowledge for someone, or to those who have heard God to plant a church in another city. Maybe you've told yourself that those are the only people who hear God. It's only for those people sitting in the front two rows. And for me, sitting in the middle or the back or the nursing mom's gallery, that's not for me. But that would not be true. You would not be alone if you thought that, because until about five years ago or so, I thought the same thing. And many of us have disqualified ourselves from hearing the voice of God based on an incorrect perception of what it looks like to hear Him. The reality is, those public moments in which people share what God's heart is for people during a prayer meeting or on a Sunday or during a sermon, those moments are the tip of an iceberg. The majority of hearing God in our lives happens on our own, in the quiet places, when we're one-on-one -on -one with Him, the bottom of the iceberg that sits below the water. And that personal or private hearing of God is what's most important. Whether you were saved yesterday or you were saved 50 years ago, God wants to speak to you. 1 Kings 19 verse 11 shows us how Elijah heard God when he sought the Lord to give him advice. The Lord said in verse 11, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came 
a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. God doesn't always shout. God does not give us fiery signs. He speaks to us in a gentle whisper. I still remember the very first time I heard God for myself. I was in college, and I had been part of a church similar to this one for a number of years. And I remember thinking distinctly that when people in front shared prophetic words, I remember looking at them and thinking, I'm never, ever going to do that, because I've never, ever heard God for myself. I thought that those people were super mature and super spiritual, and there is no way I was going to be like that. At this point, I'd been saved about five years, and I would read my word regularly, I would pray regularly, I would thank God for things, and in prayer, I would give him my laundry list of things that I wanted him to do for me. Sound familiar? But I never actually sought his opinion on anything. I never asked him to talk back to me about anything. Until I started dating a guy. Yep. How many times has that happened to us? This guy, though, was not a believer. And I knew that what I was doing was wrong. I knew that I would never marry a non-believer, and so there was no point in continuing to date him. Yeah. (laughs) But I had never dated anyone else before. And you know what? We were part of the same group of friends. So his friends were dating my friends, and I thought, you know, if I break up with this guy, all my friends are going to leave me, and I'm going to be all alone, which in college is the end of your universe, right? So as time went on, I felt more and more guilty. And the guiltier I felt, the less I felt like praying or even speaking to God. I imagined God sitting on his throne, shaking his finger at me and telling me, you bad girl. I remember him. I imagined him disapproving of me. And I felt very far away from him. The point came when I just couldn't take feeling far away from God anymore. And I remember sitting down at my desk in my room and asking God, God, please speak to me and tell me what to do. I fully expected him to chastise me. Instead, a picture popped into my head out of nowhere. It was a picture of me standing on the edge of a cliff, looking down, getting ready to jump. And a voice came into my head, which was not my own voice, and it said, jump and I'll catch you. I knew this was God because I am terrified of heights, and there is no way I'm jumping off a ladder, let alone a cliff. But the feeling I had in that moment when that picture was in my mind was not one of fear. It was one of security and peace. I came to God expecting to be chastised and reprimanded, and instead, he encouraged me. I broke up with the guy the next day, and I never looked back. And I, yes, I kept my friends. He actually moved on with someone else, but that's for another story. (laughs) The next time that God gave me the release to date someone, years later, that someone was Matt. And the rest is history, as they say. After having that first picture, that first interaction with hearing God and his heart, I was hungry for more. It gave me faith to continue to seek him in other aspects of my life. And you know what? I wasn't disappointed. The more I heard him, the more I wanted to hear him, and the more I expected to hear him, because he's faithful. And those who seek him will never be dismayed. 
The Father speaks truth, encouragement, and love. His voice is gentle. But without living a lifestyle of hearing him on a regular basis, we'll never get accustomed to his voice so that if and when God does speak the big things, we wouldn't recognize his voice for those big things. We need to be hearing him in the little things in order to continue to hear him in the big things as well. When you become a believer in Jesus, your spirit within you, which was dead, comes alive. And it's that spirit which engages with God, who is himself spirit. The scripture describes it as deep calling to deep. Hearing God requires us to tune in to what the spirit is saying. And every believer has that spirit, which means that every believer has the ability to hear God. Just like infants need to use language to learn how to communicate with their parents, we need to learn the spiritual language of communicating with our father. What if you only spoke to your spouse once or twice a year, and when you did that, you spoke at them? You did not ask them for any input whatsoever. That marriage wouldn't last very long, would it? That's not a true relationship. Yet so many of us live out our Christian walk in that way. We speak at God. We never invite him to speak back to us. The same God who pays such careful attention to the creation of our very fingerprints also cares about the smaller things in our lives, the things which may seem less spiritual to you. He cares about our careers. He cares about our relationships. He cares about our family. He cares about our hurts and our joys. We just need to learn to listen to him. So this morning, I want to share some practical examples from my life on how God has spoken to me in these areas. My hope is that it gives you a sense of excitement and anticipation to hear him in your own lives, to continue hearing him if you have already heard him, and to start hearing him if you haven't heard him before. So some of you may know that I work part-time as a physician. I love my job, it brings me great fulfillment, and I never thought I would ever consider decreasing any part of it. But over the last year or two, I started to get a sense in prayer that things, was good, that things were gonna change. Very vague, all I felt was something was gonna change. Spoke to Matt, and we prayed about it, and we felt the same way, both of us. Then when I became pregnant with our youngest child, the idea of returning to work after having her started to feel a little uneasy, which is not how I felt with my other two kids. It felt like the grace for that particular season or circumstance had lifted. I'm going to digress for a moment just to explain something. Sometimes when God is starting to lead us in a different direction from the path that we're on right now, he makes our current circumstances a little uncomfortable. He lifts his grace for it, and that essentially means it's like having a pair of jeans that have always fit you really well, and suddenly you notice they start getting a little tight. Then they get tighter and tighter, until the point comes where you realize, I have to buy a new pair of jeans. <laughs> so his grace lifting is that unease that he gives you in a circumstance. And he does that to help us think about options other than the ones that we're in right now. Don't discount that. Pray into it, because he wants to guide you in that. So I started feeling that unease, and then I started exploring the idea of cutting down my hours at work. I worked half-time, and I thought about, let me perhaps work quarter-time. 
half of what I currently did. And as I did this, something resonated in my spirit. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean when something resonates in your spirit? It can be defined as an excitement or anticipation coupled with a sense of God's peace and rightness about what you're feeling. After that came November, and Chanel Rousseau came to town. For those who don't know, she is a friend of this church who is incredibly prophetically gifted. And on Sunday, you may have been here, she gave Matt and I a prophetic word. And one of the things that she said in that prophetic word was, I see a decrease in the time you spend in the hospital coming. And I think there's going to be an increase in terms of things of the ministry. Uncanny, isn't it? It further confirmed what I had already been sensing in God. And the next day, Steve came to me at our elders meeting and he said, Sheetal, I had a dream last night. And in that dream, you were standing in a classroom and we realized that it was a hostage situation and that you were the hostage negotiator who had to pay the ransom. And you paid the ransom and everyone was set free, but you were the one who had to pay the ransom. And he had a specific amount for that ransom that I had to pay. And who would have thought it? That specific amount is exactly the amount my salary would decrease by if I went to a quarter time. Something he knew nothing about. That was the final confirmation. So two weeks ago, I spoke to my boss, and as of the end of March, I will, as of the first of March, I will now be working a quarter time. This is something which I would have honestly been terrified about because I really struggle with not being busy. I don't know what to do when I have a lot of time on my hands. And the idea of stepping into a season where I will have time on my hands, but I don't know what's going to fill that time, is ordinarily petrifying to me. But for some reason, this time, after I spoke with her, I felt liberated. Just like that dream that Steve said, where people were set free. You know what? I was the one who was set free. Another instance of God speaking to me involved daycare. It was more sudden this time. I was looking for a daycare to place Naraya, I mean, Atara, our youngest, into after she was born. And I visited many of the ones around our house and around where I worked, and none of them really sat well with me. And I was getting very frustrated and a little anxious because these daycares all have long waiting lists, and if you don't pay and put them on the list now, like five years before they're born, you're never going to get them in at the right time. <laughs> so I went to bed that night, and I asked God, I was like, Lord, just please tell me what to do. That was literally my prayer. Father, just tell me what to do. I awoke that night at 3 a.m., wide awake, with this thought in my head, almost like it was someone shouting, and it said, enroll Ephraim and Atara in the learning experience. That was one of the daycares I had visited a few days ago. It wasn't on the top of my list. It wasn't even on the middle of my list. But it was one of the options, and I knew that I knew that that's where I needed to enroll them. So I went there, paid the deposit, I enrolled both of them, and really didn't think much else of it moving on. A few months later, something happened at my eldest daughter's daycare, the one that's near my work, and we felt like we needed to move her from that daycare rapidly, and we needed somewhere else to send her to because we were both working. And like you know, daycares all have waiting lists. But I went to the daycare that Ephraim and Naraya, my two younger kids, were in, and I asked them, is there any chance we could get on your list? And they told me, oh, actually, 
we have one spot available for your daughter's age starting right now. See, I didn't see that when God spoke to me about enrolling the younger two. I just thought, oh, okay, cool, he's helping me in my decision making. But you know what? God knows. He knows and anticipates everything we need further down the road because he can see the long view. We can just see what we need here. He's faithful and he wants to speak. You might think that these examples I've shared today are really simple. Maybe they're not worthy to be shared on a Sunday morning up front. But you know what? That's the point. We need to be hearing and seeking God in the simple because He wants to speak to us in those circumstances. Just as much as He wants to speak to us in the super spiritual, prophetic words, plant a church, move to another nation, and start a hospital. All of those require hearing God just as much as living our days in an everyday environment. So how do we do this? How do we develop this language of communicating with the Father? Just like learning a new language needs practice and patience, so does learning the language of communicating with God. I've found three things to be really helpful to me over the years. I'm going to share them with you. And by no means is it an exhaustive list. It's just something that I've found over the years to be helpful to me. Number one is to make space to listen. We live in a world where busyness and multitasking is celebrated. The more things you can do at the same time, the more accomplished you are. But I listened to a TED talk recently by a neuroscientist who who basically explained the idea that when we are multitasking, we think that we're running four or five different things concurrently in our brain, like they're running in parallel. But what's actually happening is that our brains are rapidly switching from one task to another. And the more we switch back and forth, the more the neurotransmitters in our brain, which are the chemicals required to send messages, the more those chemicals get depleted. They get exhausted from going back and forth, back and forth. And so by the time you're done with multitasking your entire day away, you're exhausted. And you can't focus because you don't have the chemicals or the neurotransmitters needed to focus on anything. One of the things that frustrates Matt the most in our marriage is the fact that I tend to multitask him. So he'll be trying to talk to me, and I will literally be cooking, yelling at a kid in the corner, trying to answer a page, doing three other things, and he's talking, and I'm like, aha, yeah, no, that's great, that's awesome. And he's like, can you just listen to me? Matt has the opposite problem in that if I'm trying to talk to him while he's doing anything else, it's physically impossible for him to listen. I, th- I think it might be a bit of a gender thing. Yeah, ladies, anyone ever tried to speak to your husband while they're trying to send a text? Don't talk, Claudia. Anyway, but... How many times do we multitask God? You know, we're we're listening, but are we really listening? Because we're checking Instagram and Facebook and yelling at a kid. You know, we need to find a way of carving out time to engage our spirit and quiet the other voices, the intrusive ones that always try to get in there. For me, practically, that's actually been in my car. Literally, my car is my second home. So when I get in there, my mind is engaged with the mindless task of driving on automatic, following the rules, but I put worship music on, and my spirit starts to be engaged. 
And that's the place where I can hear God and I can focus. For you, it might be running, it might be walking, it might be folding laundry, whatever it is that you need to do to get yourself in a place where you can focus on hearing God, that's going to help you hear Him. The second way in which we can help ourselves hear God is to take baby steps. With learning everything, it requires practice. And we are part of a community of believers here that create a safe environment for one another to be learning because no one has ever arrived. There is always more that we can grow in and more that we can learn. Are you part of a connect group? Why not pray for someone in your connect group or ask God for a prophetic word for them? Do you come to our prayer meetings once a month on a Wednesday? How about spending the day before the prayer meeting asking God, Lord, What's your heart for this prayer meeting this Wednesday? It may not mean that you share that, but I can guarantee you if you are sensing something and someone speaks it out on a Wednesday, your faith is going to grow. And you are going to grow and grow and grow to the point where you feel comfortable to speak it out in those contexts as well. Ask God because he wants to speak. And the last way that I found that helps me in hearing God is actually the one that's the hardest for me to do and that's to die to perfectionism. I really, really, really hate being wrong. <laughs> and I don't like doing things where I think I'm not going to do them well or that I might mess up while doing them. But who knows, how many of us know that we prophesy in part? That we are never 100% accurate 100% of the time. So if you're waiting to know that you have heard God 100% accurately, you will never step out in faith to share anything. What God desires from us is not that we are 100% accurate all the time. What he desires is that we are obedient. If we are feeling that God is speaking something, and he gives you the urge to share it, whether it's for a friend or in a more public context, and you are just obedient to come and share it, that brings him joy. God is not interested in our perfection or our performance. He is interested in our obedience and our faith. And that's what gives us the ability to step out and share Next week, Steve is going to be sharing on what to do when you feel like you've heard God. When you feel like you have a word for him, how do you test it and how do you work it out in community? So as I come to a close this morning, I'm going to give us a little bit of homework. But before that, I want to share a picture that God gave me for this morning. It was of a woman coming up to the edge of the ocean and dipping her toe in the water. You kind of take it back really rapidly. But then she put her foot in. Then she took another step and another step and continued to wade into the water. And for some of us, that might be your experience of hearing God. You've come up to the idea of hearing him, perhaps, but you haven't really stuck your foot in yet. You haven't really gotten wet. And I feel that that's something that God wants to do today. He wants to draw you deeper. So I'd like you to think of a circumstance in your life. Anything, whether it's something to do with your family, something to do with your career or relationships, whatever it is. Think of something that you need clarity or direction in. Take time this week to intentionally pray into that. 
ask God, Lord, what is your heart? What is your heart for me in this particular circumstance? Ask God to give you a prophetic word for yourself. Because that's what the prophetic is. It's God speaking his heart and intention into a situation. We focus so much on us giving prophetic words to everybody else, but what about the fact that God wants to prophesy over ourselves? And when we have a relationship with God, we can do that. Whatever it is that you feel that he speaks to you this week, whatever it is, if it's a picture, if it's a dream, if it's a word, write it down. I encourage you to bring it next Sunday. And on Sunday, let's go through how we test that word. You might be accustomed to hearing God regularly. And you're like, oh, I could sit down in 10 seconds. I'm going to get a picture, and that's going to be great. But I encourage you, try and hear God in a different way. If you're usually used to hearing God through pictures or through his word, ask God this week to speak to you in a different way. Let's exercise that vocabulary of the kingdom of heaven. I have faith that all of you are going to hear something. That whether or not you've ever heard him before in your entire lives, or you've heard him every day, I have faith that God is going to speak, and that you are going to be surprised by what he says. Because while we may think of him in one way, God is always faithful. He is always loving, and he's always encouraging. So I'm excited to hear of the testimonies next week of those who have heard from God. Let's bring them and be encouraged together. Thanks again for listening. To stay up to date, follow at Anthem Church Chicago and visit us anthemforall.org. Anthem Church, all of Jesus for everyone.